Welcome to the broadcast of Exceedingly Abundant Ministries in cooperation with Bethel Worship Center of Joplin, Missouri. Their goal is to win the lost, disciple Christians, set the captives free, and see the sick made whole. Bethel Worship Center is located at 3125 West 20th Street in Joplin. Weekly service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and a Wednesday evening Bible study at 6.30 p.m. For more information, visit their website at BethelJoplin.org. Now, here's Pastor Gary Culp with today's message. Well, good afternoon. The Lord bless you. What do we know for sure? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Let's pray for souls. Father, we want everyone to go to heaven. So we're especially crying out today for the eternal salvation of every boy and girl, man and woman in Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. We're praying for their past, present, future spouses, all the children they have now in their future and their family members, all grandchildren they have now in the future and their family members, all great-grandchildren they have now in the future and their family members. By faith, we're agreeing together for the Holy Spirit to fall upon each person, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord Jesus, we cry out that you would reveal yourself to each person. They would understand your incarnation your perfect life, the great miracles you did, your death, burial, and resurrection, your precious atoning blood, the revelation and understanding that by your stripes we were healed would come to every boy and girl, man and woman. And Father, they had humbled themselves before you, repented of their sins, received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, being gloriously born again from above. And Father, you get every person into a good Bible-believing teaching church. They would then be baptized in water, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We agree that every Christian is becoming a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're praying for all the demon-possessed, demonized, and captives to be set free, and all the sick to be healed from every sickness and every disease and pain. And your people, Father, to receive and walk in financial abundance, prosperity, debt cancellation of their debts, the full blessing of Abraham, whom God blessed blessed in all things. And we agree for this right now, and we thank you for it by faith. Also, Father, we love the Jewish people. We pray that the blinders and scales would fall off their hearts and minds, and they would understand that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. He's Savior and Lord, and they would be born again. We love and bless them, Father God. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem according to your word. And we also agree with you, Father, that they have eternal covenant to all the land of Canaan. So please, Father, restore all the land to them. May there never be a two-state situation, Father, which is an abomination to you. And Father, anyone who tries to touch and harm the Jewish people, stop them. And if necessary, Father, kill them. And we thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Also, Father, there's so many wicked, evil things going on in the world today that, Father, we just have to cry out to you for your help. Father, we pray that you continue to intercede and you would stop the digital currency that Joe Biden and the Fed are trying to bring to pass, Father, to take away our cash and money. Father, destroy this wicked plan, Father. They're just trying to bring forth that one world government, which is an abomination to you. Father, stop their plans. Father God, send them into confusion and derision. May they fight among themselves. May they be able to find no agreement together whatsoever and raise up millions of people to cry out against it, Lord. And we agree that there'll be no digital currency until after the rapture of the church. And we thank you for it. But also, Father God, we agree no more viruses or pestilences, Father God. 
You know, Father, these have been created in the lab to kill and wound people, Father God, and influence people to do evil things. Stop this great evil. And, Father, we agree that no Christian in America is going to get these viruses. And, Father God, we command our immune systems to be strong, healthy, and whole, and to repel and destroy all sickness, disease, and pain, no matter what it is, in Jesus' name. And also, Father, please secure our borders. Father, you know, Father God, terrorists, foreign soldiers, prisoners, pedophiles, drug dealers, drug traffickers, Father. People who want to do evil to America are coming across this border, Father God, and, and this wicked, evil administration is encouraging them to do it. So, Father, we need your help, Father. We need divine intervention. Father, whether it be through law enforcement or your angelic host, drive out of this country every person who is here illegally, and especially those who have come forward for an evil intent to do evil. And we thank you for it also. Also, Father, you know the terrible persecution that has come against your servant, Donald Trump, and his family, against conservative, against Christians. And, Father, we know it's a war uh, against you because they hate you, Father God. They hate you, Lord Jesus. They hate you, Holy Spirit, and therefore they persecute us. But, Father, we remind him of the book of Esther, Father. We are the Mordecais. We are green just like in the book of Esther. You're going to continue to provide for us bountifully. You're going to continue to protect us from those evil, wicked people and the wicked one. Even in the midst of these trials and tribulations you're going to promote us and father we agree with your word also as they would the as the more i mean as the hamans and you know who the hamans are as they continue to try to persecute us and kill us you will do just like in the book of esther you will hang them in the very gallows that they prepared for us and we thank you for this divine justice and judgment right now in jesus name and also, Father God, please protect our power grid. Don't let them uh, do any EMPs. Father, don't let them take out our electricity, our gas, our oil, our coal, Father God. Protect the power stations, protect the power plants. Don't let them do any more evil like that. Father, protect our skies, Father God. Let those planes fall from the sky that are trying to put these chemtrails in and contaminate our atmosphere. Also, Father, protect our food and water and plants and animals from any mRNA material them trying to put in that to poison us and to destroy your creation. Father, we agree for all these things right now. We declare, Lord Jesus, that as we agree together, you're doing this, you're answering this prayer, and we thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be talking about testimony a good testimony, and we all have a testimony if we're saved. But I need to give you an update uh, on some things, uh, just letting you know Jesus is coming soon. This is from the Geller Report. Okay, uh, there's what's called a C40. These are cities, climate, leadership groups, okay? They're in 100 cities worldwide, but 14 American cities, okay? Their goal is by 2030, and they've written it down. You can look it up for yourself. There will be zero meat consumption. There will be zero dairy consumption. You know, you try to take away my hamburgers and ice cream, I'm ready to fight. How about you? Okay. Also, the goal is you will not be able to have over three new clothing items per person per year. Did I tell you? They're, they're evil. They're Luciferians. They serve the devil. Also, zero private vehicles. 
They're going to take away your automobiles. You know, you think Hitler was bad. WEF is a thousand times worse. Also, you will only be able to take one short haul airplane flight ever three years per person. Did you hear that? Okay, would you like to know the 14 American cities that are agreeing to this are going to be part of this? Austin, Texas, Boston, Massachusetts, Chicago, Houston, Texas, Los Angeles, Miami, New Orleans, New York City, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Portland, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Seattle. Did you hear that? You see, when the WF says by 2030 you will own nothing and be happy, that means they're going to steal everything you have from you. So we need to uh, see this administration immediately changed to a godly one. And we need to pray and bind these wicked things. And again, not just for us. We're going to be out of here soon. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to come back with Jesus within the seven-year tribulation. Jesus is going to open his mouth, and he's going to slaughter <laughs> all those people who have taken the mark of the beast and come against him. Remember, if you're on the left, you're in trouble because you will be told to do, and the government will tell you to take this mark of the beast. And if you take it, you're eternally damned. There is no salvation for you. The book of Revelation makes it clear. I mean, that's why we need to pray for those people. Get them saved. Get them born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, the greatest spiritual gift in these last days is spiritual discernment. And you can't have spiritual discernment without Jesus in your heart and the Holy Spirit indwelling your spirit, man. So we need to get people saved. Need to see revival, don't we? So these are just some of the new things that they're trying to do, those 15-minute cities and everything like that. Uh, but again, we're going to be out of here soon, so let's get more people in the ark. Get people saved. Pray for them. Witness to them. Tell them what's going on. All right. Let's go to Acts 26. We're just going to read most of the chapter. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee concerning all the things of which I am accused of the Jews especially because I know thee to be an expert in all custom and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, who knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the strictest sect of the, our religion I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth which things I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, 
having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even into four cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the high priest. Okay, he is sharing his testimony to Agrippa. Here's what is my life before Christ. Now, again, the thing I want you to remember is, before Paul got saved and met Jesus, he was a very religious person, the strictest of the Pharisees, and yet he was lost and dying and going to hell. And in his religious zeal, because it wasn't from God, even though God in his mercy revealed himself to him, as we're going to find out in just a minute, and he got gloriously saved and became a great man of God. But for years, as a religious person, he persecuted Christians. He thought he was doing God service, and yet he was actually serving the devil. And notice he had Christians thrown in jail and gave, uh, was rejoicing that they were being killed. That's how terrible it can be, number one, to be a heathen or to be a religious lost person. Just for a minute, let's remind ourselves, of, as Paul did get saved, and we'll read that in a minute, that as he's making an appeal uh, to his brethren, the Jewish people, to get saved, he says here in, in Romans 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Salvation, be born again, okay? For I bear them witness they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. And see, that was true of uh, Paul before he got saved. He was called Saul. He was a persecutor of Christians, but he thought he knew God and was serving God. That's why all the cults and isms and false religions today, they're just like Paul before he got saved. Ignorantly serving God, being very religious, religious to the help, prayed, read the scriptures, but had no relationship with Jesus, which means they were lost and going to hell. Verse 3, For they being ignorance of God's righteousness, that means right standing with God, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Verse 4 is so important. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You see, you can't get saved by being good, doing good, following religious rules, being legalistic. It'll take you straight to hell. No, you can't save yourself. No, you can't undo the bad things you've done. The Bible says very clearly, only the blood of Jesus can wash away your sins. So you'll never be right with God trying to be saved. You just need to get saved. Admit you can't save yourself. Admit you can't keep God's laws. In fact, if you're honest, you've broken all his laws, if you're honest. You just have to humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I can't save myself, but Jesus, I know you died for me and rose again, and your blood paid for my sins so I could be forgiven. So I repent, and I receive you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior and Lord, and I will love and serve you forever. 
That's how you get saved. You can't save yourself. But I'm just saying religious people who claim to know God pray a lot and read maybe even Bible scriptures, but they don't know Jesus. And they're lost and dying going to hell, and they actually persecute real Christians. Isn't that sad? But that is Paul's testimony before he got saved. Oh, I just knew God wanted me to do that. I knew Christians were wrong. But then, now we come to his salvation testimony. God said, I got to have him. <laughs> so he gets a divine visitation. Let's start verse 13. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them who journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, <laughs> that's, that's what you call falling in the power of the Holy Spirit. Getting slain in the Spirit, <laughs> that's, that's what happened to Paul. Jesus appeared to him, and boy, he hit the ground. Still happens today when the glory of God falls on a service, on a people, and they have a visitation from Jesus. Isn't that exciting? And when we're all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking with me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, now, if you have a red uh, letter version of the Bible, you realize that these next words are the words of Jesus. Jesus spoke to Paul. Jesus appeared to Paul. Okay. Saul, Saul. Remember, before he got saved, he was called Saul. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the goads. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Oh, no. Just think what was going through Saul's mind. I thought these Christians were wrong. I knew that we were serving the true God. I knew that Jesus was a fake. Oh, no, he's not a fake. He's talking to me from heaven. He's come down and said, why are you persecuting me? You see, Saul is experiencing reality. The real and true God, Jesus Christ, has appeared to him, and he realizes, oh, no, I've been doing it all wrong. That's getting ready to change. Okay, that can change with you, too. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, and to make thee a minister, and a witness of both these things which thou hast seen, and those things in which I will appear unto thee. You know, he had a lot of visitations of Jesus. He's saying it right here. Delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And verse 18 is so important, because this, was, this is what happens when you get saved. God uses you now, and whether you're a preacher, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, or just born again, God is going to use you as, as a witness to do this. Here it is. To open their eyes. That's lost people's eyes. That means religious people's eyes. Okay. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. You understand that, right? Satan has a kingdom. And until you're born again, you're part of his kingdom. And you've got to get born again so you can be transferred out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. And of course, once you get saved, that's took place. And we'll prove that in a minute. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. Can I tell you the greatest blessing I've ever received is when I 
as a young teenager in a room where they turned the lights out and said, "You, if you wanted to receive Jesus, you could do it. And I did business with Jesus. And all my sins were forgiven. It was like I became lighter. And I didn't become lighter. I weighed the same thing. Do you understand? That burden of sin was gone. I was forgiven. I was cleansed. Nobody told me what to pray. They just said, you accept Jesus. But because the Holy Spirit hand was upon me convicting me i cried out to jesus and jesus answered and i received the forgiveness of sins let me tell you you don't want to die and pay for your sins romans 6 23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god gift it's free the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord if you die and have to stand before god with your sins you'll get thrown into hell but what a shame when Jesus loved you enough to die for you and take all your sins upon himself. Yes, Jesus loves you. I don't care how wicked you are. You're not too evil to get saved, but you've got to make a decision. I repent of my sins. Jesus, I give my life to you. I trust you as my Savior. Amen. But here, Jesus is talking. Let's read it again. I didn't finish it. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness into light and from the power of Satan unto God, okay? And that's what happens. And, you know, I mean, the things that go on in this country wouldn't happen today if people were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. They would uh, stop this nonsense going on, these lies <laughs> that are told every day, <laughs> okay? That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. Oh, inheritance. Did you hear that? We have an inheritance, an eternal inheritance. Heaven is our home. Oh, praise God. Among them, Jesus is talking. Do you think Jesus knows how to get saved? I'd think so. Among them who are sanctified. That's a fancy word to be set apart or made holy. How does that happen? By faith that is in me. By trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone do you receive eternal life and the gift of eternal life. Not by keeping the Ten Commandments, you've already broken them. Not being religious, giving up stuff. No, by just saying, I can't save myself. I'm a sinner. And Jesus, you did it all for me. And you give your heart and life to Jesus. So Jesus told him he's now going to use him in a powerful way to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. In other words, this is how I got saved. Jesus appeared to me. I realized I was serving God ignorantly. But then Jesus showed up. Amen. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's eternal life, no man cometh to the Father but by me. Okay. So, he continues. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the borders of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent. <laughs> Remember, no salvation with repentance. Remember, a uh, repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. And you're repenting for your sins and your rebellion against God. Okay. And you're turning who? To God, to Jesus. 
And then you live differently. You do works meet fit for repentance. You don't keep on living the same old life because you have new life in Christ. Let's continue. Verse 21. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Saul as a lost man, as a zealot, was throwing people into jail, rejoicing when they got killed. Now he meets Jesus, gets gloriously saved, and becomes a powerhouse for God. And now his religious friends who aren't saved yet, they now want to kill him. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Remember the, Jesus said in John 10, 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I tell you, Satan's people want to kill you. They want to kill babies. They want to bring sexual confusion. They, they just want to kill you through viruses and pestilences which they create. They're wicked, evil people, but that's because they're lost. And Lucifer, Satan, is their father. Do you get it? You know them by their fruits. That's what Jesus said. Okay, verse 22. Having therefore obtained help from God, I continue to this day. And his life was changed forever. See, once you get saved, you live for Jesus all the days of your life until he calls you home to heaven. Witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. You see, Jesus died for our sins and rose again victorious. He's alive. And because he was alive, he could appear to Saul, who became Paul on the road to Damascus. He appears to people today. Remember, anybody who's really saved did business with Jesus. Okay? They might have joined a church. They might have got baptized later. They might have got confirmed later. Those are all great things, but if you didn't meet Jesus, you're not saved. See, religious activities won't bring you into the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. It's a real birth. You do business with Jesus or you're not saved. So who do you talk to? Jesus. Who do you repent to? Jesus. Who helps you? The Holy Spirit. Okay. That Christ should suffer and she should rise from, uh, be the first to rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. So that's his testimony. See, that's what a testimony is made of. Number one, I wasn't always saved. Here's my life before Christ. And again, he was very religious concerning Saul, who became Paul. Number two, here's what happened. I encountered Jesus and I've been saved and my life is changed forever. True of every person who gets saved. They encounter Jesus. He changes you forever. And then thirdly, part of your testimony, oh, what has Christ done in your life? What is now different since you've become a Christian? And you can tell them about the righteousness, peace, and joy. You can tell them how you're loving and serving Jesus. You're going to church now. You're giving your tithes and offerings. You love God. When he tells you to do something, you do it because you're in love with Jesus. That's what a good testimony. My life before Christ, how I got saved, and now the difference Jesus has made in my life. If you're truly born again, that's the good testimony you give. You give all three parts. I wasn't always saved, 
and with many, and just like me, I was very religious. Oh, I believed in Jesus intellectually because I was raised in church to believe in Jesus, but I wasn't saved until I met Jesus. <laughs> you see, most people are very religious before they actually find out they're not really saved and, and then finally meet Jesus. <laughs> you understand that, don't you? Okay. Then I did meet Jesus, and my life was changed. A real encounter. He's alive because I've met him. <laughs> and ever Christians met him, okay, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the encounters can be very dramatic, and they can be very calm, too. It's not always the same for every person. But then the thing that should always be true is, oh, the joy, the peace, the love, the comfort, the help that God gives to me now that I'm his child. Does that make you want to get saved? Are you born again? Have you met Jesus? If not, do you want to meet Jesus? Cry out to him right now. I'll help you. Dear God, I see it. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I can't earn my salvation. I've broken your laws. I can't save myself. Jesus, you died for me and rose again. I believe it. Jesus, your blood has been shed for my sin. So, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, please. Be my Savior and Lord of my life. I give myself to you right now. I repent of all my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the broadcast of Exceedingly Abundant Ministries in cooperation with Bethel Worship Center of Joplin, Missouri. Bethel Worship Center is located at 3125 West 20th Street in Joplin. Weekly service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and a Wednesday evening Bible study at 6.30 p.m. For more information, visit their website at BethelJoplin.org or send an email to Pastor Gary. His email is GaryColt at Yahoo.com. Please join them again next week as they continue to expound on God's truth in a relevant and practical way.